0: This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. Hey, World Changing Ideas listeners, this is Talib, and we've got a special episode for you today. It's from the folks over at Inc. Magazine's Planet Purpose podcast, which is hosted by Strawberry Frog CEO and founder, Scott Goodson, Deo founder and CEO, Yolanda White, and Strawberry Frog head of strategy, Chip Walker. On the show, they discuss how companies can focus their purpose and transform their brands. They also break down the ways purpose-driven companies could be achieving better outcomes by activating purpose to the people who matter inside the organizations and out. In this episode, they interviewed Fast Company social media producer Christina Royster and Fast Company associate editor Yasmin Gagne to get the millennial point of view on how people can put purpose into their work. Christina and Yaz are also the hosts of the Fast Company podcast, Hit the Ground Running, which you can check out every Tuesday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with another episode of World Changing Ideas in two weeks.
1: You're listening to Planet Purpose from Inc. Magazine. today's episode, what do millennials think about purpose? Do they actually buy and work for companies and brands that have activated purpose? Is this a real thing? And what should leaders know about this important generation? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Planet Purpose. I'm Scott. Hey, I'm Yolanda.
2: And I'm Chip. So I have a
1: thought for you guys. We're coming out of the pandemic. And I think the way in which we've lived before was all about self-absorption. And I'm asking myself, you know, am I happy constantly? That thought, I just don't know if that's still relevant. You know, I think things are completely different. I kind of hope that my son, Jacobi, and my, my younger son, Alice, find a sense of purpose and are able to contribute in the world in a meaningful way, which I think is really different than being happy. What, what do you guys think about that?
3: I mean, I think your insight is so dead on. I mean, if you think back, Um, Our parents would talk about, you know, finding success and working really hard. And then there was a move to this whole notion of happiness, as you talked about. But we all know, like, happiness is a journey. It's not, you know, an end state. So I absolutely love that you're having this deeper, meaningful conversation with your son about seeking purpose, which I think gives like life more meaning on a day to day basis. And I'll tell you, even though I truly did love corporate America, you know, I was like marketing happiness on a day to day basis. I love waking up every day on a mission to like uplift and celebrate women who feel unseen or who feel as if they need to find themselves again. And I just hope You know, as you've told your son that my children will take heed to like seek purpose, like really early in their life, you know, and think about contributing in a bigger way. So, yeah, I'm all in, Scott. I love
2: your perspective on this. I think that's a smart and a wise way to think about things, to be more, you know, searching for meaning and wanting to live a meaningful life. But I have to tell you, I'm not 100% sure that's how most people really think about things, Yolanda. Uh, I think most people, uh, especially younger people, millennials and Gen Z, are really into just kind of finding their own happiness. Uh, and when they get a job, for example, I think that they ask themselves, am I happy here? And uh, and if I'm not, I'm going to go someplace else and work uh, where I'm going to be happy. And I think that's a change versus their, their parents' generations where you would just stick things out. Now, having said that... I think it's possible that the pandemic, I think, as you were alluding to, Scott, may start to to change some things, that people will will start looking for greater meaning. At least that's what research tells us. I think, you know, we conducted a a large study called the Purpose Power Index. Uh, It was a large consumer study of purpose-based companies and brands. And what we saw year over year when we conducted it is that more people are definitely willing to to sort of buy and do business with and be interested in and and work for purpose-driven companies than the year prior. So I, I think we're seeing a move in that direction uh, even if uh, some people are still uh, a little skeptical about the whole meaning thing.
3: What we do agree on is that the lens is different from success. You know what I mean? I think what we probably are like butting heads on, is it really happiness or is it purpose? And I really believe these things are much more connected than like two separate and distinct things, you know? But yeah, I think that's really great perspective, Chip. It is a little bit different from where I am. Though.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So let's get to today's big topic. We're going to be talking about how you put purpose into your work, specifically from the perspective of millennials. So we've invited a couple of them here onto our show to chat. Please welcome to the show Fast Company's social media producer, Christina Royster, and Fast Company's associate editor, Yaz or Yasmin Gagné.
4: Yay. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Hi. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you all.
1: I grew up in Montreal, so I know how to say Gagné. I hope I said your name right. (laughs)
4: <laughs> you did i uh my my grandparents are from vermont my dad's from vermont so ah
1: well you know vermont was the green mountains in french it used to be french and then they became mm-hmm. american mm-hmm. so there you go <laughs> So you're our new special friends. Welcome. This is going to be awesome. I should also note that both of these millennials have their own very successful podcast called Hit the Ground Running, which you can catch every Tuesday, wherever you subscribe to your podcast. These guys are super professional. So they're going to make us look really, I don't know what they're going to make us look like, but uh, Chip and Yolanda, sit up straight.
3: (laughs) I am. I am.
1: So Yaz and Christina, you are very experienced, obviously, in being a millennial. You know, this show is all about purpose, as you know, hence the name. So, we have a very important question to ask both of you. What's your take on this whole thing of purpose? You know, how does it sort of land with you when you think about your work uh, and how millennials think about work these days?
5: Yeah, I can take that question. For me, purpose is something that I am still trying to figure out to this day. And I think, like everyone else, during 2020, during the pandemic, we were all stuck inside with our thoughts. And somebody asked me what my five-year plan was. That was a terrible question to ask during a pandemic. But when someone asked me that question, I really started to kind of get in my feelings and kind of get depressed about it because I'm, oh, I'm 25 years old, it's so old. But I was turning 25 and I was just feeling like I'm not where I want to be. What is my purpose? You know, really questioning everything. And so I kind of started to realize that purpose is just what I'm naturally good at. My natural guidance, God-given talents. And I feel like my work Kind of aligns with my natural talents. You know, I'm a great writer, speaker, podcaster, and I get to do those things every day at my job. I'm fortunate enough to be able to do those things. So I feel like right now, my purpose and my passion, my work, they all kind of align. But there was a point of time where that didn't happen. I was talking to Yolanda off camera about how I used to be a graphic designer and I love art and I thought that I wanted to be a graphic designer. But as I've gotten older, that's changed and that's evolved and I've realized you probably should have been doing this all along. You probably should have been podcasting from the very start because Hmm. I'm just so good at it. And so now I'm starting to realize that purpose is kind of evolutionary, but in short, purpose to me is what you were put on this earth to
1: do in this world where the enormity of the problems you know you face or we all face is just so stark especially for your generation do you feel like there's a more important and more meaningful role you have than just simply doing a job professionally like you know a job that you get a salary for and do you have a higher calling something that you feel like i need to solve or bigger issues out there or do you feel like that's not so important Love yes
5: that. definitely i think that especially with my generation, we're not slaving nine to five for companies that don't align with our values and our mission anymore. That's why most people my age are just saying, screw corporate America, and they're just starting their own companies because they do want to make a difference and they do want to change the world. And for me, I used to think that purpose had to be so grand, like I had to save the world, I had to feed the children. But now I'm starting to realize my purpose might just simply be storytelling. And that's important too. You know, educating and inspiring people through words is also a purpose. You don't have to be solving world hunger to be
3: purposeful. But you just hit it. Just inspiring people, uplifting people, and people who reflect your generation, I think is just a powerful like calling and purpose in and of itself. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I think I, I, that comment about we got, corporate America... Yes, has to jump in. Yes, <laughs> has to jump in. <laughs> Sorry,
4: jump I didn't front. know if you guys were going to ask me or not. No, you know, it's interesting. I, um... I feel very fortunate in my job. So I mostly work on the print magazine and I, I edit a bunch and write features that I get to tackle some of the issues I care about. So, you know, we had an issue about labor where we really talked a lot about kind of unionization efforts. And we had another issue about B Corps and corporate social responsibility, where we highlighted Patagonia, among other companies. You know, I handle a lot of people stuff at the magazine and representation is really important to me. I grew up, I remember there was like one Pakistani presenter on the BBC, which was a TV channel channel that I watched and I was like obsessed with her because I didn't see anybody else that looked even a little bit like me. To get to kind of find the people that we can put in the magazine is great and does kind of feel like my purpose. But I'm always wary of both tying your purpose to your job solely, mm. and I am wary of almost like it's not that companies don't have a purpose, but there's still a profit incentive at the end of it, <laughs> right? But like, you, they're, still, they're still here to make money. Yeah. Like, that's not to say I, I don't want to sound as negative as maybe I did. You know, you see a company like Patagonia, for example, sort of following through on their commitments, I guess it's I guess all. All I'm saying is it's not that you can't find purpose through your job, but that can't be your only thing. Yeah. Right. Like Like, I, you know, I care about also being like a good friend, girlfriend, daughter, like I work like so much, (laughs) Um, you know, I'll put in the hours I'll work on weekends if I need to. Right. That's not you know, I'm not saying my job's not important to me, but there's other things that are also your purpose, I think. You know what I would say?
3: Yes, I would. I would tell you and I know you're about to jump in, Christina. I will tell you the more your purpose aligns with your job, the more Mm -hmm. you live a more integrated life. And I think sometimes when we feel like, you know, almost nervous that our purpose is tied to our job, you don't have to feel that way. It's actually a really good thing. And it'll carry through with your girlfriends, with your personal life. It becomes so much more streamlined versus like when I first entered corporate America at your age, I felt like my life was so compartmentalized. It was work. It was friends. It was my... I guess then we weren't even engaged. My boyfriend (laughs) before we got married. Now we're exes. So I didn't know what to call it. (laughs) Um, But like, I just love listening to you guys and hearing how integrated your life is because it all is centered around this whole meaning of purpose, of uplifting, of sharing, of inspiring. And that's what makes you guys so unique. I love you guys. Okay, keep going.
5: The only thing I was going to add was um, I think Scott mentioned the word responsibility. And I do feel strongly that these companies are making billions of dollars off of us and they should give back. But the fact of the matter is they don't. And so, as Yaz says, sometimes it's up to us. That's why young people are leading the charge with activism and Black Lives Matter and all these things. We can't expect our companies to do it for us. So sometimes we have to step up to the plate. So that's the only thing I wanted to add about that. What I like about what Yaz
1: said is, you know, that you're in your fast company, you're identifying leaders that are putting them on the cover and, you know, putting them on a platform. I think that's a great thing because that shows up to other leaders out there. And you know what? I think it's taking a long time, but finally some of these leaders actually get it. Chip, you're there. Can you, We just did this Purpose Power Index, right? That talked about companies that are actually doing something in the purpose space.
2: Yeah, yeah, we did. And uh, I I thought it was kind of interesting. It it actually keys off something uh, I wanted to ask you guys about in that, you know, we did this study among consumers to sort of see do people really care that companies are driven by higher purpose. And what I wanted to ask you guys is that one of our findings was that it looked like there was a little bit of a difference between the generations, that what the company's older people perceived to be purposeful were a little bit different than among younger people. And I just wondered, um, you know, thinking about your bosses or other folks you work with, people your own age, do you think um, folks from different generations sort of view this whole purpose thing differently?
5: Yeah, I can answer that. I feel like my parents' generation, so my parents would be Gen X, they... We're just trying to survive. They were just yeah. trying to get a job and just pay their bills. Right. And now you're right. Millennials are looking beyond that. I don't want to just... Work check to check and pay my bills. I want to make a difference. I want to make my mark on this earth, you know. And not not to you know take away from anything that my parents did. They worked hard, and I feel like they put in all they that work. You. Yeah, they fed it. They fed into <laughs> me, and they put all that work in so that I can grow up to be whatever I want to be. I'm sure you've you've heard the news headlines about how our generation is kind. Our kind of generation is kind of coddled, and we're told that we can be anything we want to be. You can be from president to astronaut. But I really <laughs> I really do believe that. You know, I think that our generation does dream big and we have the ability to dream big because Gen X put in all that work for to send us to school and to, you know, make sure we got a good education. So I can understand why, you know, the different generations view purpose differently. And now I can tell you my mom is in her 50s and she's now starting to realize I want to do something else. That's why you're seeing people change careers midlife. You know, yeah. people are realizing later on I don't want to do this anymore and I want to do what's best for me. So... I can I totally understand that.
4: See, so this is this is something that's interesting to me because I can tell, like, Christina's 25, right? I'm 28. So, yeah. oh, 26, I'll, sorry, it was her birthday climb recently. That, I'm, climb that year. Yeah, I'm 28, and I feel like I can see one difference, which is, like, maybe I was a little older during the financial crisis, but, like, I don't believe I can be, you know, whatever I want to be. I think that showed us all that that was not the case. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do I believe I'm going to own a home? Like, probably not not. Right. And then I think in terms of, I- I'm always wary of making kind of generational pronouncements. Like I'm not trying to talk for my generation, but I think something that's interesting to me is like, at least, you know, when I talk to my parents who are boomers, I, you know, I think they, they grew up in a time where a lot of companies really valued their employees more. You know, you saw, you know, there were company towns in America where like, you know, you could become a middle manager and like really have this kind of economic safety for you and your family. Family. And I think, you know, over the years, we've seen mm-hmm. this class of middle managers at so many companies get wiped out in favor of okay. consultants. And we've seen a lot of people at the lower levels become gig economy workers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in terms of corporate social responsibility, like, they cared in the sense that they thought a company owed their employees a lot, right? They thought their company had to, like, come up with a really good pension plan for them and make sure that their kids went to good schools. And... They've seen that go away, and I think that's been really tough. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I think the sort of purpose that we're thinking of right now or that, you know, the question kind of implied is, like, do my parents care a lot if a company has made a, statements about, a statement about Black Lives Matter? Like, they care about Black Lives Matter. I don't think they care if a company did or not, mm. if that makes sense. Yep. Um, yeah. yep. But I think, for example, like, I, I know I do. Mm. I think that's definitely a difference. That and you also have to
5: factor in cancel culture these days. Our generation is so quick to cancel. Cancel somebody If you make one wrong comment on the media, I'm not buying your sneakers anymore, you know? So <laughs> seriously, like if you want to talk about purpose, some people are that extreme. I'm not that extreme. You know, my friend after the whole Black Lives Matter movement 2020, she threw away like all her makeup and started over with black owned brands. I'm like, sis, calm down. I'm not throwing away my Lancome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like there is a balance. Some people just care more about purpose. Than others, but I think millennials definitely are paying attention more. We had a discussion a
1: couple of weeks ago about Nike and how you know they have for many years put black athletes on a on a pedestal and shown them up to be you know cultural leaders, and we all talked about how important that was, and and yet. Um, when you know Black Lives Matter happened, they were called out because they have, uh, they had at the time less than five percent of their vice presidents were actually black. Yeah,
4: and their only senior vice president was uh, let go. What do you, Jonathan about that? Edwards? What's your performative you about
1: kind of companies? I you
4: think, think call it, it sucks. Performative act. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I'm not saying it's not important. I think their ad campaigns have really like moved the needle on some things. I think the power of advertising can't be understated. But, you know, when you see a company that's just not delivering with all the resources that they have, you have to believe that it's not a priority for them. You know what I mean? It's like every year we see these Google diversity reports and the numbers don't move very much. And you're like, you're one of the most well-capitalized companies in the world. And so many people want to work for you. And you're telling me that you can't make this work.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
4: For me,
5: it's just like, Don't use black faces on the advertising when you don't even have black people working for you. It's just performative to me. And I think that our generation does need to, you know, kind of take off the rose tinted glasses sometimes and look past the cute commercials and really look, as you said, look at the numbers, look at the data, look at their boards. What is what is the demographic makeup of their board? You know, I don't think sometimes my generation goes the extra step to do that. They just see like, oh, did you see what they post on Instagram? I don't care about a black square on Instagram. I want to know how many black people work for you. So, yes, I definitely feel some type of way about brands just making empty statements without even donating a dollar, you know?
3: that's, I think that's really critical. You know, I think that is the point that there are many companies who are not fully walking the talk, you know, Mm -hmm. they're just (laughs) talking. And while that gets them a lot of leverage, it doesn't get them all the way home, you know? So that's just something that I think is really important to us. And I think Scott and Chip have done an amazing job around really, what does it mean to activate like purpose for a brand? I do have a question, you guys, and you are definitely making me think about a lot of things. We've seen several bowls And fearless companies that really are taking a lead on purpose. I would love to hear from you: like, what are some of those purpose-driven brands or companies? That's personally connecting with you or connecting to the people who listen to you on a weekly basis. Well, wait, wait, go back. Which companies are you talking about? I mean, you named Patagonia as one, and I yeah. really feel like they lead it <laughs> in purpose. Um, we've seen a lot of small brands. I mean, I have to say, like, I love Tamara Mellon because I love her brand. I love what the quality of her product, but I love what she stands for and basically breaking like paradigms in the shoe industry. But I don't wanna talk, I wanna hear from you guys. Like. <laughs> What's up? Like, tell me. Christina, you can take this one
5: first. Yeah, I'll go first. I definitely feel like Ben & Jerry's is top of the list for me. Ben & Jerry's, you wouldn't think that an ice cream brand would speak out and be so involved in, you know, social justice. But they were one of the first brands to speak out about Black Lives Matter. And they made a very bold statement. They said something like, end white supremacy. That was shocking to see on my timeline, especially from a little quiet ice cream brand. But they're not quiet Mm. at all. They've been very involved in LGBTQ rights and BIPOC rights. And so for me, when I see a brand speaking out and, you know, representing me, that makes me want to give them more of my money. Honestly, when I go to the frozen food aisle and I'm choosing between the ice creams, I might splurge on the $6 Ben and Jerry's simply because they support Black people.
3: <laughs> What's
5: it.
4: your flavor? What's your exactly. flavor? It's
5: got to be half-baked. You know it's got to be half-baked <laughs> <laughs> with the little fudge and the cookie dough. Okay. And it, just, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. it tastes so much better when I know that they're supporting
4: social justice. <laughs> ah,
3: I love it.
4: I
5: love I it. I like yeah. that. Jump
3: in. What comes to mind for you? Well,
4: I can't really be... It's hard to beat Vermont's own Ben and Jerry's, but... I would say I wrote a feature a couple of issues ago about the 15% pledge, which is led by Aurora James, who's a designer behind this brand called Brother Vellies that I love. And um, the 15% pledge was where she was asking companies like big conglomerates to sign a pledge that 15% of their shelf space and inventory would be devoted to Black-owned brands. And I specifically looked at Sephora and was actually pretty impressed by their efforts. You know, they were very honest about the fact that only 3% of their inventory was from Black-owned brands, and I think they've made real strides in improving that, and even, you know, they set up an incubator program to make sure that minority founders could flourish, you know, because it's hard to get that initial capital to make a lot of your products. So I guess what I would say is, like, it's not like a fully formed Ben and Jerry's type situation, but I do respect it when I can see a company that's making sort of tangible changes that will affect their bottom line, and I also buy my makeup from there. So (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's Sephora the thing about your Sephora example is I like the
5: fact that companies are admitting, hey, we've been getting yeah. it wrong all these years. We're sorry. And now
4: here's what we're going to do about it. Like, Yeah. And here's like a really yeah. concrete plan. Exactly.
5: Well,
2: I'm, I'm curious, though, on, the, on the, the opposite of that, though. You know, there's a lot of accusations out there about purpose washing and companies who are really getting it wrong. Uh, mm. So you've talked about some that like Ben and Jerry's that are getting it right. Are there there's some that are guilty of uh, purpose washing or screwing it up?
4: Uh, I, I feel like there's so many. But, you know, I'm thinking of prominent examples where it's like you know the reformation is a brand where like they they had all these you know very like appealing to millennial designed kind of instagram slideshows about social justice but like we're not making their clothes above like you know a very small size and the founder had been heard you know saying that she didn't think black people belonged on her website mm. um you know oh, what yeah. i mean uh, so that that's like a very extreme example. And I think, you know, on the other more, I don't want to say benign because that's kind of the wrong word, but like, you know, your your cosmetics companies that have like, I, I'm talking about cosmetics just because I, I wrote that feature and thought about it a lot. Your cosmetics companies that have like 15 different foundation shades for white people, but like two for people with darker skin. Mm-hmm.
1: Actually- um To that point, Chip and I used to work with a company, I think it's one of the most purpose-driven cosmetic companies in the world. It's called Natura, based in Brazil. And Mm -hmm. this is a few years ago, and we we helped them crystallize their purpose and then launch it internationally. And they were Fighting head to head against Avon, which who was coming into mm-hmm. South, you know Brazil and trying to take over, Natura had to your point, you know, fifty different shades of color that were perfect for people of different hues, whereas Avon didn't. And their spokesperson, I think, was Reese Witherspoon. And you know, yeah. Brazil, and, and of course, Avon didn't succeed. And and Natura now is growing globally.
4: Yeah, I think you can. I th- I think catering to more people will increase your profits. So to me, it's like whether you're doing it cynically just to increase your profits or whether you're doing it because it's the right thing to do, like the outcome is the same, Mm -hmm. which is you're going to make more money. Um,
1: I have a question for you. Do you feel that you're much more inclined, like your, your generation are waiting for corporations or big companies to not tangibly deliver against these statements of...
4: You mean we're like waiting to cancel them or watch them fail?
1: let's say the importance of leadership in these huge corporations should be focused less on trying to find your why and more on actually tangible actions that demonstrate that you're doing what you're claiming you care about.
5: Yeah, as you said, you know, it's kind of just a pull up or shut up. And I just think that our generation... I feel like our generation has been a little blinded sometimes by social media and the media. You see headlines like, actually, Fast Company recently did a study called Black in Tech. During 2020, all these big tech companies pledged all this money and it looked great. It was like Microsoft donated $500 million. Well, come to find out. They make five hundred million dollars in five days. That's nothing to them, you know. That's a that's a just a drop in the bucket. So when you really look at the numbers, you realize, oh, they're making all these big promises, but how much are they really delivering? And so I am starting. I don't want to say I'm getting mad, but it is like kind of radicalizing us. It's
4: it's making us step out and like call these companies out on their ish. It's funny. It's funny because I I can't you know like you. you you're like, it's radicalizing us. And like, it's, it's radicalizing me. But I also work at Fast Company. You know yeah, what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, that's yeah. like, I think about it all day. Like a lot of my friends do, but not all of them. Yeah. You know, it, but what would matter to a company, you know, especially, you know, if you guys are working in branding is like, we're the people who will talk about it on Twitter and Instagram, mm. you know, one so like can cancel you. So, so, so like review. I would say, you know, there's a lot of millennials who like don't really care. Right. They're just trying to buy a pair of sneakers. But there there will be like a very vocal and influential minority who do. You know, I
3: think the consciousness of millennials is at an all time high and it continues to get stronger and stronger. It's one of those things that that consciousness is holding companies accountable, not just in terms of what they deliver in the marketplace, but it's also holding them accountable for how they inspire, how they motivate, how they retain, how they even attract talent, you know. So, Christina, you started earlier and you just made the comment like, yeah, we're not really looking for a traditional nine to five. And it's all about just earning a salary. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, you have a right to be very vocal. And to be honest, I will tell you, Gen Xers are getting more vocal about purpose and making sure that it's at the forefront of what they do. And even in some cases, as you've said, redefining what they do in order to go seek that purpose. And I would say that would even sit in terms of how how I have looked at my professional career, so I think you guys have made some amazing points. You know, around the area of purpose, and hopefully you stay committed to delivering against your purpose as you continue to move forward. But I absolutely love your podcast; it's great.
5: Oh, thank you for listening. You're giving people so the hacks,
3: The hacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and Christina, I think
1: that's super great. I, this has been such a great conversation. And now we're going to pause for a quick break, and then we'll be back with Jump Ball.
0: This episode of World Changing Ideas is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com.
1: All right. And now we are back at the Purpose Planet podcast. Time for jump ball. Okay, Yolanda, what do you
3: got? Listen, I pulled out a book. It's a journal. It's Zen SF. You know, the whole art of like journaling and getting in tune with your thoughts and where your mental state is and finding ways to shift that is what this book has done for me. So I literally just use it on Fridays and I take myself out to lunch and I find a page. But I remember like two Fridays ago, I was thinking about a friend and had probably some negative thoughts. And I get to (laughs) one of the questions, right? And it was all about who made you smile mile for the week. And literally that person ended up on my list. And I was like, wow, it's so amazing how one little thing can like shift the way we think about someone when in all actuality, they probably have done more good for our lives than bad. So I love the Zen as F, but I also have a number of different journals, but just the art of journaling, I think is something that we have to maintain even as adults to like stay on our thoughts. So that's my jump ball today. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I love that. Chip, what do you got?
2: Yeah, mine's also a book this week. It's called, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's it's kind of a bestseller right now, but it's called The War of Art. It's kind of a play on that famous book called The Art of War, Uh, (laughs) but it's called The War of Art, Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. So I don't know about you guys, but during the pandemic and working from home, you know, after hours of Zoom calls, I just sometimes find it hard to get motivated uh, to (laughs) actually create stuff. It's easy Mm -hmm. to say, oh, I'll do it later, put it off. So this book is really it's amazing look at sort of self-discipline and creativity and it's kind of an inspiring book and you can read it in little dribs and drabs if you're kind of unmotivated so if you have an urge to create something but just aren't doing it because you're distracted or You've got fears or doubts or whatever. I mean, th- th- this is a great book to kind of overcome that.
1: That's awesome. We did That's write great. a book during COVID though, Chip, that was motivating.
2: <laughs> we, we did. We did. But, uh, you know, I procrastinated a lot while writing it. <laughs> so <laughs> The War of Art. Get Thank you. It? That's, That's awesome. great.
1: So Christine and Yasmin, what do you have for us?
5: Mine's going go. yeah. Yeah, to be a little more pop culture. Hmm. I am like a documentary junkie. I love watching documentaries and learning I really, you know, absorb knowledge through TV, like a true millennial. (laughs) And so my uh, jump ball this week is going to be Netflix's This Is Pop docuseries. It's basically, you know, talking about how pop music and hip hop music have changed, completely changed American culture. The first couple episodes have Boys to Men T-Pain, and then it also goes into... Yeah, T-Pain had a big, big, you know, legend on America. You have no idea. He's iconic to me.
4: But- I, um, I I went to a, a Knicks game. This was, like, two years ago, and T-Pain was a halftime performance, oh and gosh. I fr- I forgot how good he was.
5: Right. <laughs> like, come on, y'all need to support T-Pain. Support my man T-Pain. But, no, the, the Netflix series is interesting to me because since we're talking about purpose, you know, they do go into... The deeper side of it and how music can really change a culture, activism. Certain songs have been the song of the century or the song of the decade. So I'm really interested in this
4: series. I can't wait to watch it.
3: Oh, that's awesome.
4: I love that. Uh, I I was hesitating between two things. I'll just recommend them both, even though they, they are not related to each other in Anyway, <laughs> there is a Netflix series that I'm obsessed with. It's also a documentary series. It's called Drive to Survive, and I'll preface this by saying, like, I don't even have a driver's license. <laughs> like, I truly like what? don't. I do not care about this stuff. But it's about Formula One, and it sort of tracks different Formula One teams through the seasons. I think a uh, uh, there's like a third season that just came out, but it really focuses a lot on those sort of big personalities. They have these like big sort of team manager rivalries. And the sort of drivers, where like one of them is a playboy and one of them, you know, is is very serious, and it's it's just fascinating. It's fascinating to look into this world that is like so douchey, um, <laughs> but so interesting. And I can't recommend it enough. I'm I was totally hooked. And then my second one, and I thought of it because we we're really talking about brands communicating their purpose. I just finished Patrick Radden Keefe's book about the Sacklers, who are the family behind kind of Purdue Pharma and the opioid crisis, called Empire of Pain and but I think is really remarkable in that book is you see how disingenuous marketing can make it seem like a brand has a good purpose. You know, mm-hmm. I think Purdue Pharma spent a long time saying, you know, we're in the business of pain relief and we're trying to reduce pain across the country, which is a very noble goal. But obviously it doesn't account for the fact that like people could get addicted and it was it's mm-hmm. ruined so many lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um and I think it's it's interesting to read about how the drug was marketed to the people of America, how the drug was marketed, you know, even to the government or to the FDA and everything that was going on behind the scenes.
3: Mm. Interesting. Well, wow, those are yeah. two
1: incredible uh, tips. I thought I'd seen everything on Netflix, so I'm going to definitely. Look at
3: that. <laughs> you have two more, if two more. We got to get busy. <laughs> Let me know if you like T-Pain, Scott. <laughs>
1: Last time we had a a podcast, I mentioned that, you know, Simon Sinek talks about finding your why. And then I said, you know, I found out that Viktor Frankl, who was this concentration camp victim and great philosopher who wrote about, you know, man's search for meaning really was the first to kind of really articulate the need for people to find their purpose in life. And I found this book called Ikigai, which is written by Hector Garcia and Frances Morales. And it's about this ancient Japanese concept Referring to having a direction in life called Ikigai. And it is about finding fulfillment by finding your purpose in life. And purpose meaning a positive action that you're taking in your community. So it's really the modern concept of purpose as we're thinking about it. Not purpose like the Spanish Inquisition did, you know, they had a purpose too, but in the way of doing some kind of positive, you know, action that is driving positive change. So if you have a moment. Uh, and you want to read about Japanese ancient uh, philosophy, Ikigai. Great book, highly inspiring. Wow. Uh, so this has been a wonderful session. You guys made us look amazing today. You guys are obviously super <laughs> professional, aren't <laughs> they? They did wonderful? a good job. Like, yeah, we have a lot to learn.
5: Thank you so much for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, guys.
1: Uh, well, thanks for tuning into Planet Purpose. I'm Scott Goodson. I'm Yolanda White,
2: and I'm Chip Walker.
1: Planet Purpose is brought to you by Ink Magazine and Strawberry Frog. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. And if you want to give us some comments or ideas, mm. email us at podcasts at com to let us know your thoughts on whether purpose matters to you or if you have any thoughts on whether purpose wins. This show would not be possible without the extraordinary efforts of Avery Mills, producer, Emma Gordon, video producer, Josh Christensen, senior podcast producer, Blake Odom, production assistant, Umama Mahoud, marketing director, and Nicola Keneally,
0: chief of staff.